Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. All right, I'm good to go. All right, everyone, that's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben. Marcus, uh, I'm in a weird mood. Why? Because I've been reading that Damien Eccles book, Life After Death, <laughs> and it's crazy because I'm currently, uh, for those that don't know, he's a member of the West Memphis Three. Hopefully, we're going to be interviewing him for last podcast on the left because he loves horror movies and... Uh, He's an amazing man. He he grew up on Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, which Marcus, I know is your favorite of the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Without it, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Well, we're going to have a lot to argue about because that's insane. <laughs> that's a comedy. It's, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is the it is uh it is so fucking funny. It's very hilarious. funny. It's very hilarious. But is it macabre? Is yes. it scary? No. Where's the guy, uh, you know, where's the hitchhiker getting into the van? He's got a gash on his face, and he takes a knife out of his pocket, cuts open his hand, taking pictures of everyone in the van. That's terrifying stuff. It's- where's the guy in the wheelchair? <laughs> oh, Sally! Sally! <laughs> That's my favorite. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the greatest horror movie of all time because it has every single uh, character, uh, what is it, archetype that you need. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the wheelchair, for the longest time, I thought he was just chewing on beef jerky. <laughs> what the hell was his name? Franklin. Franklin, yeah, Franklin. But it, it was just a big cigar he had. Yeah. But it looked like, it was a, it looked like a, a real clunky uh, sinker poo. <laughs> you know, it was a real clunker sinker poo. I never could figure out what the hell that dude was chewing on. Yep, big cigar. Terrible place to be in a wheelchair. The middle of Texas <laughs> getting chased by a man who has your friend's face on his face. And that, of course, is Leatherface with a chainsaw running after you while you're in a wheelchair. You can't get through the muck. Not even a hover round could get you out of that uh, situation. Uh, trying to get through all those mesquite trees? How I can barely get through mesquite. You know they have spines on them. They have spikes on them. They're really? good three inches long. Yeah. Really? I had no idea. There is a tree that is all over Texas. Completely invasive species. Uh, and it's covered in these long spikes. That's an kick-ass tree though i mean the mesquite tree is pretty kick-ass yeah it's definitely it's pretty amazing so that was Eccles, you know kind of how he grew up i mean he grew up just getting kicked around his entire life but now i'm in the point of the book where they had the trial and that wasn't a real trial no no that was a make-believe trial (laughs) uh that's for damn sure everyone was just having good times and it's very traumatic because he's just like what's going on and no one tells him what's happening and um man they just if if watching a bunch of horror movies as a kid and being poor makes you a Satanist or the leader of a Satanist cult, you know, he should have just started a podcast <laughs> because that's exactly what we had to do, you know, which is just fine. But uh, but now he's in, uh, you know, Supermax in Arkansas. I forget the name of the prison in the book. He's in Supermax uh, in Arkansas. Yeah. Now in he's out. Lie, Thank God he's, he's in Salem, Massachusetts. And hopefully we're going to go to Salem, Massachusetts and shoot a pilot for last podcast on the left. And the first the pilot will be with him. Yes. Um, and I can't wait for that experience. Uh, but holy Lord, those prison guards fat. All with the porn star mustaches, really the most ignorant people on the face of the planet, and they are just currently uh, beating the crap out of them, and it's intense stuff. So that wasn't good to read on the subway, <laughs> you know. God, the things I read on the subway. However, now yeah. I've ta- I'm having to take a break from all the creepy and horrible shit that I read. Why? I'm, I'm, because it was. It sometimes it gets to be too much. It's just so much, and then yeah, I know I need to watch. You need to just go watch like I'm reading Lord of the Rings again. 
That and that's light for you. That's and very. I believe there's a lot of death in Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah, but it's you know it's fantasy death. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. Theoden, King of Theomer. Uh, yeah, kill him. Yeah, <laughs> get rid of him. I know your face. Yeah, it's it's fine death. It's nothing bad at all. Well, speaking of uh, real death, Marcus, you and I both had a great opportunity to watch uh, a documentary called Active Killing. Oh, fantastic. Henry Zabrowski from Last Podcast on the Left and a whole series of other things also watched Active Killing, and he made the mistake of posting on his Facebook page that it's an amazing documentary, and people were upset. They said, oh, how could you love it? It's just so disturbing. People are just uh, absolutely passionate about this movie in one way or the other or this documentary. And uh, for those that don't know, basically in, what was it, the like 65 to like Six- 70, early 70s oh it was the coup itself yeah it was it took a while there was a coup in indonesia they got rid of this dude what was it Saharto? uh-huh Saharto, something the, like that the coup it was an attempted coup okay attempted coup they blamed it on the communist party yeah the indonesian communist party and then they just went on a killing spree just murdering every communist they could get their hands on much as um but they made it up you know i mean they anyone was a communist that they didn't like uh it was a much uh, similar to a witch hunt uh, mm-hmm. that mr eccles had to uh endure in west memphis uh arkansas uh, and uh, so the documentary picks up with the lead character who, man, it's crazy. You see these people when they're old and you're like, nah, that guy, he couldn't have done that much damage. You know, mm-hmm. he couldn't have murdered that many people. And then when he starts talking, you just fully, you know, I can't wait to get older <laughs> because, you know, men have too much testosterone in their lives. All those low T commercials where it's like, do you suffer from low T? Good. That's a gift from God. Suffer. I can't wait not to have a boner anymore. I can't wait to constantly be limp. I can't wait to not be full of rage. That'll be great. Less testosterone is ideal. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, this guy in the documentary, sort of the main character that they follow around, he himself alone killed over a thousand people. And it was not like he had the finest U.S. Uh, military gear. He wasn't going in there with AK-47s. He wasn't pulling up. It wasn't just a standard day at, a, at a, an American public school. <laughs> you know, he wasn't armed to the gills going in there and taking out as many people as he could uh, within a five-minute period. This was old school, old school murder, and he learned it all from American movies such as The Godfather and Goodfellas. Gangster movies. Gangster movies. And he learned the eventual uh, act of killing or the method of killing that they came upon after a while. They, were, they talk in the uh, the movie, and these guys were essentially death squads. They would go yeah. out, they would find people. Well-dressed death squads. Very well-dressed. And they, he makes sure to let you know. <laughs> That man talked more about his clothes than a hipster uh, chick in Williamsburg. He loved his pants. He always wore very exotic colors, never white, because you don't want to get the blood on the white. We all know that, lol. Oh, my gosh. You know? Unbelievable how man, uh, how much this man loved his fashion. Yeah, and they would round up all the people, and they show in the movie this roof that they used to use to kill all these people. Yeah, and they said they started off by uh, slicing people's throats, uh, and then they moved on and just beating people to death. But sure. he said. There was too much blood. It smelled so bad. Yeah. Like that was his uh, qualm with it, is that it smelled too bad. Yeah. So they eventually figured out a way to strangle these people with a metal wire. A that, piano wire. A piano wire, And you yeah. get the feeling, like, there just must have been shipments and shipments of piano wire going over to <laughs> Indonesia. And the piano wire company's like, do they even have a piano? I've never seen one piano in Indonesia. I have no idea why they want our product so goddamn much, but we're going to continue on sending it over. It's capitalism, goddammit. Yeah. And if they can use it to kill some communists, more power to them. He so, loved it, but he was a short guy. 
Yeah. And he got this idea to use the piano wire from the gangster movies. Mm-hmm. But the gang in the gangster movies, the gangster tended to be because he didn't understand how film worked. <laughs> you know, he didn't he didn't get it. Uh, so the gangsters would come up from behind. And, you know, you kind of hoist a, uh, a dude up, but you got to break their, uh, their trachea, you know, their windpipe with it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then they die. But this guy's, he's a tiny fella. Yeah. So he had to come up with a very ingenious way <laughs> of breaking these people's necks. So he tied it to a pole. Well, he tied it, he tied it around the dude's neck. Yeah. Then tied another end to a pole. And then he had this, like, piece of wood with the other end of the string on it. And man, and then he would just pull on that like he was starting a lawnmower. <laughs> It's the same uh, technique that Gacy used to kill Very his victims. Very similar, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's tying the uh, the wire around and tying the wire around the um, the wood, and then twisting the wood around and using that as leverage to uh, eventually. I mean, I would guess that you know the wire cut into their skin. I'm definitely well. I'm this sure is they what he definitely said. bled, and sometimes their heads did pop off. Oh, a head will pop off. <laughs> yeah, you 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 put enough tension on some wire around a dude's neck, you'll get that thing looking like a Mortal Kombat fatality. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, with Gacy, uh, he was um, with his um, rope trick. With the rope trick, that's all that was was just tightening the tightening the rope more and more and more and mm-hmm. more. Uh, and what a trick it was! Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, that last uh, that last podcast episode about Ramirez. For those that have listened to episode one, you guys are going to love episode two. Oh, it gets so much more brutal. It's so it's so brutal, and I would say. Not nearly as brutal as these human beings. No. That's the thing about active killing. Uh, and ma- ma- what's the name of the main guy, Marcus? Uh, this guy makes all of American serial killers look like complete amateurs. You know, <laughs> as uh, as John Goodman's character, Walter, in The Big Lebowski, uh, called the kidnappers of, of Bunny, played by Tara Reid. He called them a bunch of amateurs, and that's exactly what... Uh, Every American serial killer looks like next to these dudes in Indonesia. This guy has one of the scariest names, Anwar Congo. Anwar Congo is not to be <laughs> fucked with. It sounds like a Wu-Tang song, for Christ's sake. Anwar Congo. And uh, so he takes this dude, and that's what he would do. So he would take dudes, kneel them down, yank on their necks. Their heads would pop off, but they definitely used piano wire because uh, previously they had used rope. But there was a mistake with the rope because then you can dig your fingers into it mm-hmm. and then you're fighting back and you don't want to die. You don't want to die. You don't want to die. But Congo wants you to die. So he found out the piano wire dug deep into the neck. So theoretically, if you did try to dig it out, it was almost like what Jigsaw uh, had people do when he would like, there's a key behind your eye <laughs> to open the lock. You must get to the key. Here's a knife. You know, um, so he would uh, so you would have to like dig into your own skin to then pull on the piano wire and let's that's not happening no um but there's a scene it's it's near the beginning of the movie where congo uh mr anwar congo has one of his buddies recreate it do you remember that yeah where his friend was like okay uh yeah okay friend well okay best friend anwar <laughs> i will recreate this i will be the man i will pretend to be the man that you murdered um and they show him doing it and that i would just Never. Now, what if he has a flashback? Yeah, and just starts yanking and yanking on it. You're you're gone. Well, the entire concept of the movie is that these guys they're still seen as heroes in Indonesia. Absolutely praised. You said earlier you mentioned the uh, the scene where they went on to a talk show. And yeah. 
Well, they're, they're still praised as heroes, so what they're doing is they're making a movie, yeah. like a, an actually well-produced movie. I it's mean, like every John... Relatively so. It's on... I mean, very relatively. <laughs> very relatively so. For Indonesia, it's relatively well-produced. For Indonesia, it looks like a film that would not be able to air in in India. <laughs> and like, it's not Bollywood. It's like eight shades below Bollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if, like, maybe if, like, Yemen has a big film scene, mm-hmm. maybe it'll squeeze in there, but I don't even know about yeah. that. And they're making a movie based on their exploits. They want to tell right. the story. They want to tell of these, this great thing that they did to save their country. And this was a war, and they definitely fancied themselves war heroes, not war criminals or war murderers, Um it's very similar, though, and as I was watching the movie, I did sort of equate it to Lone Survivor, mm-hmm. the new movie that came out about the fellow in Afghanistan. I mean, obviously, it's slightly different, um, but it is definitely a uh, a story written by the winners, and they discuss that history is w- written by the winners. Um, that's why uh, we're going to have a bunch of books to write, Marcus. <laughs> we're going to write so many books. What are we winning? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to discuss a pilot, and then I once I did win something yesterday. Oh, we'll yeah, talk about it did. later on. Um, I did a I'm doing that lawbreaker pilot. Went to Haddon, New Jersey, and uh, I was running around in a dress in 14 degree weather, terrorizing that town. <laughs> and of course, in Haddon, New Jersey, it's illegal to cross dress, and that was the law that I was overturning. And I'll let you know how it works out uh, later in the episode when I went to talk to the town hall. And uh, that was a very fun meeting. I bet so. It was jam-packed. I'm talking four people in there. <laughs> Everyone was concerned and had in New Jersey. But uh, so, yes, so they're recreating the, uh, the victorious war that they had against the, uh, the communist scum or just somebody they didn't like. Yeah, or uh, the ethnically Chinese. Or the ethnically Chinese. Yeah. But a very, you know, Lawrence Survivor, uh, Black Hawk Down, pretty much any John Wayne movie. As a matter of fact, more, maybe a, uh, a more proper parallel would be the old Westerns. You know, where you have Native Americans, right? And Native Americans are just demonized beyond belief. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the cowboys are the heroes. And in reality, the cowboys have just gone and they just, like, killed everybody. And we're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking, you know, kill whoever, uh, you know, has a feather in their hair, and uh, it's it's under the idea that they're doing something good uh, for the country, which yeah. is exactly uh, what these guys were thinking they were doing. Well, I posted something on the last uh, podcast Facebook page yesterday. It was a picture from the Battle of Wounded Knee, or the aftermath of the Battle of Wounded right. Knee, and it was this huge mass grave that they had dug, and they're just shoving bodies of Indians into this huge mass grave, and mm-hmm. everyone around them is just posing for a picture and smiling. I mean, very pleased with themselves. Very Auschwitz. And they yeah. had just murdered dozens, maybe even hundreds of women and children. And you imagine if the technology of the time was on par with the te- uh, technology of the uh, you know early forties. You know when you have World War Two and you're like they're doing what to who now? How many dead <laughs> with the graves and whatnot? They're smiling next to dead bodies. Uh, it's a very similar situation. Of course, the founding of the United States. Um, we don't like to talk about that, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Keep it down. But that was an interesting um, question that you posed on the last podcast on the left live page. Uh, is is historical gore uh, gore or is it historically accurate? And I think I'm not sure if it was your comment or or a uh, or a listener's comment about how news media, for example, Bud Dwyer. That was my comment. 
Uh, yeah. Did you mention Bud Dwyer in it? That's what I said. Is that oh, yeah. uh, we're ta- we were talking about the uh, the news media and how the news media has actually become less graphic and shocking as time has gone on, as far as what they right. show. Like back uh, in the seventies, there was a. I'm sure you guys know about a very famous incident. A congressman named Bud Dwyer. Well, I believe he was actually or just a treasurer. Or, he was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a uh, say he was a government official. Uh, during a press conference, he pulled a gun out of a paper bag, uh, put it in his mouth, and killed himself yeah. live on television. And not only did they not cut away and zoom in on his bl- on the blood gushing right. from his nose, they replayed it that night on the evening news. Well, this is why you can't have Martin Scorsese be your local newsman cameraman. <laughs> you know, you can't have that. Uh, yeah. You can't have a genius like Scorsese filming a news conference. He's yeah. going to find the blood. And now, uh, just a few years ago, and like to take it to modern times on Fox News, exactly the, the Shepard Smith incident when they were following the high speed chase. Mm-hmm. And the guy shoots himself live on air. They're just their immediate response is get it off, get it off, get it off. And yeah. they went to commercial and then came back and apologized over and over and over and that, again. That suicide like makes the Bud Dwyer suicide look like an episode of Rugrats. <laughs> I mean that Bud Dwyer suicide. I mean that was graphic. I mean it that was so phases graphic. of death type stuff. You yeah. know. And uh, you're right. Other than when the media wants to trumpet the. Uh, other than when the media wants to trumpet the, uh, the the sounds of war, do we see dead people in mass graves like uh, like the Native American picture that Marcus showed, or you know like pictures uh, during the Holocaust, or like uh, the uh, act of killing? Um, well, the I, brutality of that only when they want only when they want uh, to uh, convince the American people that we need to go murder a bunch of people because a bunch of people are getting murdered. Yeah. You know, because that's logical. I think stuff like the act of killing and historical uh, and. Photographic evidence of the very, the actual, um, consequences of war and suicide and death it's important to show these I things. agree it's like the, it's the, never pretty no no it's one not. that Bud Dwyer video no one looked at that and was like oh this whole time I haven't been shooting myself in the head what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing why am I not shooting myself in the head look at all the blood coming from the nose <laughs> that looks great that's why that Kurt, Co- Kurt Cobain suicide should be should be aired yeah you know we should see those things we don't I don't want to read his diary that's upsetting when they released the Kurt Cobain diary yeah remember that that was rude post-mortem no that that I w- I felt embarrassed for him of course you know that's embarrassed I don't care how dead you are. Mm-mm. His spirit somewhere felt embarrassed that everyone was <laughs> learning, uh, you know, about uh, about his views uh, regarding uh, God knows what erections and tits and Nazis and Klansmen. He didn't like them. Yo, yeah, that's what you learn. And you're like, no shit, he didn't like them. Then <laughs> he just like drew a bunch of different people shooting Nazis and stuff in his book, and it's like, uh, it's terrifying. Yeah, true graphic uh, historical horror does not lead to violence. No, the glorification of. Uh, of violence or the hiding of violence leads to violence like Adam Lanza, right? Like he never actually saw what it would look like if 25 kids or what was it? 20 kids and six adults were murdered in a classroom. And then he was like, I'm going to go find out for myself, you know, because he had no clue uh, what sort of uh, actual death and destruction looked like yeah. uh, because you can't get it for Mass Effect 3. And the point that I was making with all of this is that we're not desensitized. Americans, they, people say that we're so desensitized to violence, especially those of us who say, like, watch horror movies a lot. Yeah. We're not desensitized to violence. We're desensitized to fake violence. Yes, fake violence. And uh, that's why horror movies are fun. Yeah. Because they're not real. And no one is actually running through the woods uh, getting chased by a man with a chainsaw. Uh, and if they were, you know what I would say? 
that with the chainsaw, put it down. <laughs> but I say, that's a woman. That's a nice gal there. And she, she's going to Boston University. <laughs> put down the chainsaw. But when I first rented the v- VHS tape from Family Video and I'm 12 years old, I'm cheering the fuck out of that guy with the chainsaw God because damn. it's a fun damn scene to watch. God bless Videomania in Haskell, Texas. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Videomania. That yep. almost seems like a made-up name. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is technically a made-up name. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it seems like out of a movie. Yeah. Videomania. That's great. Yeah. It was the best. They had the best. Here's how great the, seems ho- like- the horror section was there. On the VHS cover for Army of Darkness, they put a note on there that said Evil Dead 3. Just so you know. Oh, I see. Very nice. Isn't that great? Very, very yeah, nice. I mean, that to me, that that meant so much, the, these people's dedication to horror movies. And yeah. they had, the horror movie section was the biggest section of the whole fucking store. It was fantastic. Video mania. I miss it so much. Hollywood Video did a similar thing with their porn section. For the longest <laughs> time, I was like, what's Plumper 7? And then they were like, Plumper's... Eddie's Revenge. And I was like, oh, it's Eddie's Revenge. Now I understand because I remember Eddie from the first one, but he got upset with a bunch of girls, so he had to have sex with all of them. And then, of course, he came back for uh, part number eight there because he fell on hard times. (laughs) Fell on some hard times. So these dudes in the act of killing, uh, they're recreating. It's a very perverted thing i suppose it's sort of upside down by what like americans think like movies cause violence in this situation violence caused a movie Mm -hmm. right so they just murdered a bunch of people in real life and they're like let's fake it let's fake it you know we're a little bit older now we got some low t let's put this on camera and uh, let's show everybody our good deeds Mm -hmm. which is awful sounding let's dress up the fat guy like a woman there is the the homosexual te- i thought i was watching break back mountain half the goddamn time the gay tension in this movie oh, between I, those two guys they they're you know it's just back in the day and i'm what's the what's the lead singer of judas priest rob halford Halford Gay is yeah. different than, uh, I, I forget the name of the figure skater that's very famous. Brian right? Boitano. Not Brian Boitano. He's a different guy. He's very famous. But he's different than, like, like current gay. Yeah. Like, Halford, like, back in the day, it was much more like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, the gym teacher gay. You know, where you were uh. like, gays were terrified. They beat the <laughs> shit out of you. And then they fuck you. That's bad. That's not fun. Not for anyone. Nobody likes it, except for one dude. Uh, the guy doing all of <laughs> and it. And even then, he doesn't like it that much either. He hates himself. Yeah. And that's one thing that you understand with Mr. Anwar Congo, uh, as he continues to uh, recreate some of his actions, he does... Uh, definitely learn to hate himself or at the very least question every single thing that he's ever done in his life. Possibly for the first time, although I don't think so, because uh, between the uh, piano wire industry and the whiskey industry, this man supported both wholeheartedly (laughs) and tobacco for that matter. Ah, chase much more than I do. Yeah. Uh, the man drank himself every uh, drank himself to bed every single night. Uh, li- I think he literally has some sentences to like stop the screaming. Like he's just absolutely haunted by the people that he's killed. Um, which is going back to the Freddy analogy, very similar, I suppose, to the notion of taking somebody's soul. And you could argue that Freddy, uh, Freddy is a tormented uh, creature that isn't exactly happy. <laughs> you know, he's telling jokes, but what comedian have you ever met that's happy? If you're telling jokes, uh, you're in hell. We're de- <laughs> and you're still sad on the inside. There's no doubt about it. Telling jokes to hide the pain. Absolutely. So they're recreating uh, their actions uh, for this movie, and they're still absolute superstars in Indonesia. 
And uh, like I mentioned uh, earlier, they went on a talk show, and I forget the name of the talk show, but a gal was the host. State television in S- Indonesia. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking as many viewers as current TV had before Al Gore <laughs> sold it to Al Jazeera. At least 16 to 23 people. And... Um, and uh, so there, she she just like throws him. She was given some softball questions. Mm-hmm. She was Larry King, you know, circa nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and six. You know, very soft. Larry King, by the end of Larry King's life, he could have interviewed Stalin, and he would have just been like, "What's the deal with?" With Russian, what's a good what's a good dinner in Russia? Uh, borscht. That's all they're talking about. <laughs> borscht. So you tell me it's cold. That's weird. That's weird, Mister Stalin. Cold. So tell red. Well, this, what's the deal with red? Red. And I got suspenders <laughs> on over here. You're killing a bunch of people. I don't know, but I still understand your borscht. <laughs> so she's throwing out some softball questions, and uh, they're just getting amazing responses from the audience. They all look to be in military uh, gear, the audience. Well, there's an entire military organization called, I think, the uh, the Youth Brigade or something like that uh, that's been around since uh, the coup. And they Nothing are- gay about the Youth Brigade, huh? <laughs> And they're thousands strong, and they have these weird orange and black uniforms. Yes, uh, they look sort of like the uh, they sort of it's it's sort of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers creamsicle colors. Yeah, uh, very interesting uniforms. I don't know what forest has those colors. <laughs> you know, theoretically, people wore sort of a green and darker kind of a military uh, fatigue because then it helps you blend in in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember a bunch of orange trees. <laughs> but maybe if you're fighting a war in an orchard in Florida or something <laughs> in a Tropicana field, maybe those uh, outfits would work out very well. Possibly. Yes. So uh, literally the guy, Anwar, just talks about how we used to go kill a bunch of communists, stand in ovation, and I was jealous. You know, I'm, he killed the man. The man and figuratively killed in this sense. Uh, he was just talking about murdering people, and people could not get enough of it. Uh, really, uh, really fascinating um, situation. But as they go on and they continue to make this uh, this um, this movie about uh, their real lives, it's fascinating to see them uh, completely realize all the violence that they've committed and. Uh, and really feel, I, th- I think that they do feel bad about it. I think a couple of them do. I don't think all of them do. Well, there's one fella, and uh, and he actually comes in, I believe, and he, he left Indonesia, and he was another one of these executioners. And these executioners, I mean, these are the celebrities of the time. These were the celebrities of Indonesia, the reality stars of Indonesia. The euphemism they used were gangsters. Gangsters. They call these yeah. guys, and even the government, and uh, the, the term, even, they even have a euphemism for the euphemism. They call them free men. Free men. Yeah. They, yeah. they say the gangster is the free man. That was one of the greatest scenes where Anwar was complaining about how uh, they don't have any freedom anymore. And it's like, yeah, well, you did it. You just didn't use it right. <laughs> you know, you killed a bunch of people when you had it. Like that was maybe you need some structure. Yeah. You know, just a touch of structure in your life just to stop you from shanking everybody and raping all the girls, which is what they uh, which is. Another thing that they did that is sort of revealed a little bit later on in the movie. For some reason, I felt like they did guard against the uh, unbelievable sexual assaults that these men committed until a little, until about 70% of the way in or 80% of the way in. And even then, it was possibly two minutes yeah. of the whole thing. Be- but, and it was just one But the guy. murder was okay, but uh, they, they, they were very sensitive. And naturally, you should be. But I, I feel like you know you should probably bring that to light as well, although it makes them, it makes them even more... Uh, more difficult to watch and listen to. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people will 
I think rape sometimes gives someone a more visceral feeling than murder does. I agree. I totally agree. And for, you know, if that's right or if that's wrong, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I feel like the thing about murder is everyone has had, and you know, to a varying degree, you know, and we'll put it on the Dahmer to, um, let's see, the Dahmer degree or to like, um, the um uh, the, uh, the the main character from a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Ralphie. Ralphie. It's a, from a <laughs> Ralphie to a Dahmer, right? Like everybody has had a a, a uh, quick thought of like, I want that dude dead. Yeah, I want to kill that guy. Yeah, you know, I fucking hate that bully. I you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want no more nookies. I want. I, I don't want to get any. No more uh, spitting in my chocolate milk. I want him dead. And then you have your Dahmer who's just like, well, I'm gonna kill that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spit in his chocolate milk, and I'm gonna drink that chocolate milk after I kill him. You know. Um. So murder is it's almost something that's more relatable because everybody on the face of the planet at some point has had the idea or uh, at least the fantasy of like hurting somebody who has hurt them. But who goes around of a much smaller uh, amount of the population is like, I'm going to rape that guy. <laughs> you know, that dude, the way he's been cheating off my homework, <laughs> screwing me over. I got an in-school, uh, in-school suspension because of him. I'm going to rape him. <laughs> that's a damn good point. You know, very good point. So I think, I've never thought of it that way. I think that that's why. Uh, yeah, because I mean. It's a much it's a much more sinister thing in a lot of ways. It's yeah. not a natural human instinct to want to sexually violate somebody. No. I don't think anyway. Or the I mean even you know people are like cavemen they used to go bonk a girl on the head but like there had to be some. I bet you there was a romantic caveman. Some sort of courtship. There has to be. I mean, even animals. Every animal does. Yeah, animals have mating rituals. Yeah, there's a certain romance to to uh, to a sexual contact. Except ducks. I think ducks rape. Oh, they got those perfect raping dicks. <laughs> I mean, the duck dick is the most shocking thing. It's If you ever visit New York City, uh, there's no need to go to the Museum of Sex. It's actually a very... Cra- Did you Have you ever been? No, man. It's it all, sucks. It's yeah. just two floors, and basically they're just showing you hardcore porn the whole time. And you're like, I was actually watching this before I got here uh, because I wanted to squeeze one out so I didn't get hard while I was here with this chick. Um, but the only thing that is disturbing is there's, the, just, there's like 50 duck dicks just lying <laughs> out there. And, I'm going to cork a bottle of wine with that thing? I mean, it's just disgusting. Just Google looking. it. Google duck dick. Oh, or my duck God. penis. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you really want to be classy with your Google, <laughs> if you don't want if you want to treat your Google like a nice lady. Uh, but they get into that uh, later on in the movie when they're uh, discussing um, what they used to do with another character that they that they that they used to go uh, killing with along the way. And uh, and this man is uh, the closest thing I've ever seen to Jabba the Hutt in real life. Yeah, he's a fat monster who is um, gloriously happy. Yeah. With everything that he's ever done with his life, laughing and of course um, laughing, he was just like, "Oh, I remember when we used to go have we used to have sex with all the twelve year old girls and all this shit." And it's just it's just a real, you know, he's like it, the best was when they were fourteen. That uh, was the perfect ones, and they're just beyond gross. This man, yeah. the, the the just a film over his skin, you know. At least you know Rob Ford. Rob Ford looks thin, yeah. and in in much better shape, less sweaty. You know, of course, Mayor uh, Rob Ford of Toronto, who I've been uh, discussing with my Canadian friends, he will be reelected. <laughs> Everyone is exceptionally confident. His approval rating is still in the mid-50s. Yep. As uh, his brother just said that uh, nobody cares what he does. They, they don't. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's amazing. If you get a chance to, uh, I'm sure you all know. You guys are all smart people. You all yeah. know who Rob Ford is. And, uh, and I do understand the people of Toronto loving him. The city isn't doing bad. Yeah. And then they have a live sketch show. 
that is better than SNL. <laughs> you know, that's the irony. That's my favorite thing about this. Uh, and sort of goes on uh, with this act of killing. It's like the killing itself is much better uh, than them trying to recreate it. It's much more interesting than them trying to recreate it. And uh, Rob Ford is much better than SNL trying to recreate it, for sure. Much more interesting, except when the fat guy dresses as a woman, which he does multiple times. As he says, everyone enjoys humor. Yes, okay, this is the act of killing again. I yes. thought we were talking about the uh, low-level sketch that's currently on. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Um, uh, and that's not low-level. And Sashir, our friend Sashir, uh, is actually on SNL now, mm-hmm. uh, the black gal, and uh, she's very sweet, and I love her. Um, and uh, it's a good and it's a good show now. Yeah. Michael Che, we know a lot of people who write for that show. Yeah, actually. we actually do. That kind of, that, yeah, wow. That's great. That kind of just came out of uh, nowhere. I know, it's amazing. We're very well-connected people, Marcus. Yes, we are. Yes. And uh, so there's yeah. that lot of good it's doing us. Oh, it's doing us a lot of good. <laughs> it's doing us a lot of good. Uh, yeah, there's the fat guy in the dress in uh, in act of killing is exceptionally funny and uh, and uh, very uh, comfortable. <laughs> he's very comfortable in that dress. There's no doubt about it. He is he's in his zone. It's all and he's, he's ever in his element. And maybe if Indonesia had a better theater scene, they wouldn't have had to kill millions and millions of communists. That's the other thing uh, from the start of the movie. I'm sorry to jump around so much, but it's a great. The scene in the beginning of the movie is the uh, is the man who would who you will be seeing in a dress later on uh, with Anwar going around to uh, what were known as communist villages or communist places. And uh, I guess technically they're no longer communist because people are absolutely terrified of uh, of having that sort of political philosophy because everyone that did got killed, mm. uh, which is a good reason. To uh, not be like, I'm a communist. There was no political affiliation I would ever hold, nor religious affiliation I would ever hold. Uh, if somebody had a gun to my head, I will be pretty much any one of those things that you want me to be. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, what does it even really all mean? It's very, uh, it's very fictitious shit to begin with. All made up. A lot like your video store that you grew up with. Video mania is real. Video or was mania. real. It shut down. Yeah. That's the saddest thing about the internet. Oh, no. The one in Stanford's still open. There you go. There's still a video mania in Stanford, Texas. <laughs> Stanford with an M. Oh, Stanford. 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 As not to be confused for those gays at Stanford. <laughs> with their trees and shit. Mm, they don't got spikes on them trees in the Stanford. <laughs> uh... He's going around uh, to these very poor communities uh, who the vast majority of them lost a brother or a sister or a father or a mother to the to their torture techniques. And he's asking them if they want to play communist in a movie. <laughs> and wouldn't you believe it? They were hesitant. <laughs> they were hesitant to do it. They weren't on board. Um, and, uh, and, and they that made was- a lot of children cry. They made a lot. Okay, so then jumping back to the scene where the big fat job of the Hut guy was bragging about having sex with fourteen-year-olds. He's got blisters all over his face and things like that. They hire real child actors and just real townspeople to re- recreate this tragedy. Which, I mean, going back to that lone survivor thing, you can imagine if you actually get soldiers with PTSD. To recreate, like, what was that movie, uh, Active Valor? Yeah. Like, they used real Marines, but let's be honest, those Marines were like, they weren't, they weren't the Marines that were in the hospital for eight months because they had psychiatric trauma, you know? Nor were they the Marines who were actually in the combats. Like, you know, they're the actor Marines. Yeah, that's what they say is that you know that a soldier's been in, uh, or you know that a soldier hasn't been in combat if he talks about it. Absolutely. And you certainly know a soldier hasn't been uh, in active combat if he's a reenactor in the war that he was actually acting in, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so these people are truly terrified. They put on this whole scene. I mean, 
I would say it was it was definitely the best scene of the movie. It was, and there was some pyro. There was some good. Uh, there was some good action. A lot of fire. Bad choreography. A lot of fire. <laughs> so much. They just really burned everything down. Yeah, they just burned down. They literally burned, burned down the, the village. They yeah, they kicked the these people out of their homes and burned down the village. So they just got the really, movie. They really kind of just did it again, um, <laughs> which is very sad. But then they told them it was for a movie, so it was all okay. And, and I think fun. like the vice president of Indonesia came out to uh, oversee. It wasn't the, the vice thing. president. It was the or, head no, it was, of. It was the yeah. head of youth. Like relations, it was the head of uh, it was head of the party's um, you know, propaganda machine to make yeah. the party look good, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and says, "All right, so I know we looked really vicious in that. Let's tone it down. Let's tone it down. Yeah. Although I want them to know that we could be more vicious." Yeah. If we wanted to. That's but right. let us be less vicious. Let's be less vicious. <laughs> uh, which was fascinating to see because they're very uh they're very um concerned about making themselves look out to uh look like the uh tyrants that they were. But it was fascinating because throughout the movie, as they begin to realize, uh, you know, the things that they had done, and they come, so they they have, you could argue they do have a PTSD of their own. Yes, they do, and they have their flashbacks, especially Anwar. Yes, and uh, which you know. He's not... He deserves fuck. it. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, he like, deserves every like, single nightmare that he has. Yes, every nightmare that you have. Um, but at, uh, there are certain scenes where they're just discussing very blatantly and very openly about how, uh, hey, you know what, guys? Uh, you remember like, the communists were the good guys. You know, they just say that. And <laughs> yeah. that's really fascinating stuff. And they're like, the communists were like really good and like nice people. We were the monsters. Yeah, they said, they, they, say, they kept saying we were the brutal ones. That's what this film will show. This film will show that we were the brutal ones, but, that everything we ever told them was a lie. And I'm not sure if that was the intent. No, it wasn't. And uh, yeah, which, which was so fascinating, which is why the arts are so important. And this is why cinema is so important, uh, because then you get to actually sort of live vicariously uh, through people who commit these atrocities. And you're like, I don't want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had to like do that firsthand and of course he was also the main actor yeah in the movie and the, the special effects kudos i can't i didn't i didn't realize they got to who was it uh d- 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 um tom savini tom savini yeah I, was gonna, <laughs> I didn't realize tom savini uh knew where indonesia was Chris, but he was you're being very sarcastic on this because the effects were terrible they were awful they were they were as bad as it comes. i could do better than that well definitely yeah i mean you could just you know they just put throw some bacon on your face <laughs> It was so bad. It made no sense because the uh, like the the blood and like the uh, just the skin contusions that they attempted to make weren't even like they would hit somebody in the arm, but his face was all messed up afterward. Like it was just made no sense. No. Um, but the scene where Anwar was getting tortured there with the grandkids and, and whatnot uh, was very intense. And at the end of the movie, basically, uh, he ends up uh, just driving uh, dry heaving a whole bunch and yeah, yeah. and feeling terrible about it. But it was a very, very fascinating uh, documentary. So check out Act of Killing. Um, really, I mean, I watched that documentary and I watched a uh, Black Power documentary, like the Black Power mixtape documentary, which was very interesting as well. Huh. Uh, it's all about a fellow. Oh, I forget his name now. Names are always tough for me. Yeah. I've been trying to do the Bill Clinton thing, but uh, I'm only remembering people's bra sizes. <laughs> It's terrible. I just uh, watched uh, Vincent, A Life in Color. Oh, it was Stokely Carmichael. That's the guy uh, from this. Uh, yeah, Stokely Carmichael. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, Vincent, A Life in Color. Very feel-good documentary. I talked about it on Sex and Other Human Activities. And that was a nice it. one. And you watched that act after Active Killing. I watched it before, actually. Uh, and That's then good. And Active Killing really brought me back down to earth. After I was feeling good watching Vincent, 
A Life in Color, which is just about an eccentric uh, town nut in Chicago who okay. wears really nice suits and he's blind and he does twirls, he does spin moves. You gotta watch. And he those. makes people happy. Absolutely, he always makes everyone happy. And then yes. you watch the act of killing about just the absolute human uh, cruelty that we are capable of and yes. the misery that we are uh, capable of inflicting upon others. And I think the U.S. government really supported the uh, people of the movie, the Indonesians who were killing all the communists. If there is anyone that was anti-communist in the fifties up until. 90, what, what, 90 when the Barlow Wall fell? Yeah, or maybe even a little bit earlier. Yeah, what was it? It was, uh, yeah, Reagan, so it had to be like 89, 90, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Or was, so, it, 89, was it HW? I mean, no, we all no, know I, We all know it was Hasselhoff, <laughs> David Hasselhoff, when he danced on the Berlin Wall and it came crumbling down <laughs> like, like some sort of biblical tale. If you ever, I don't even know if it's uh, online or not, but there was a great interview that I saw with David Hasselhoff where he did claim that he solely uh, took down the Berlin Wall. <laughs> well, I believed him, you know, and I do believe him. Why not? That's right. He's, a, he's an American hero. Speaking of American heroes, so am I. Ben Kissel, American hero. I did it. The aforementioned pilot that I was shooting in Haddon, New Jersey, where it was illegal to cross-dress. I showed up there yesterday after months of filming, but it was the big day, and I wore a dress all around town. And uh, I'll tell you, you know what I got kicked out of? Kid City. They didn't want me in Kid City. We did a couple of shots uh, there. It was not comfortable for anybody. And I was like, can I get out of here? And the director was like, this is great. This is great. And I was like, but can I go? Um, and then Walmart. We tried to shoot inside of Walmart. I was having people sign a petition. That was phenomenal cult-like activity. They were livid. I spoke with uh, three different employees for Walmart. They were all like, you got to get out of here. And then a huge crowd of people came out and they were like, you got to go. You got to go. This is Walmart. Like literally <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh my God, I have just messed with Satan. I just, the demons are about to eat me alive and put me on a spit and spin me around a fire and, uh, and eat all the succulent meat I could provide for them. Uh, so I did that and there was some, you know, nice, good comical gags. Obviously a six foot seven man in a dress. That's comedy. I saw you in the dress. You looked all right. Gorgeous. Well, you know, terrible. Well, yeah. Terrible. That's what it was. <laughs> but I went to Haddon, New Jersey, and I actually got to uh, interview the people. I got to interview one commissioner. His name was John Foley, one of the nicest guys around. It's a Democratic town, and he was a Republican. And like my theory goes, uh, where you have to be a very good, moderate uh, politician if you're of the opposite party, it's, it's three to one Democrats in Haddon. He's a Republican. He still got elected, and he was a very nice guy. The other guy there, the other commissioner, was a Democrat and then the mayor was an independent, which I kind of liked that uh, dichotomy. I thought it's that was great. It was pretty perfect. Uh, so I went to the town hall meeting and I gave a very impassioned uh, speech, not in my dress. No. I had a nice jacket on. Ah. Yeah. A windbreaker. No, no, not a windbreaker. What do you call it? Blazer? A blazer. Oh, uh, good, good. Not a windbreaker. I wasn't, I wasn't Tony Soprano up there with a Reebok windbreaker on and be like, yeah, so uh, where's the noodles? Um <laughs> But uh, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I interviewed Foley beforehand, and I was like, you know, is it ever possible for these laws just to be overturned uh, when somebody proposes them? And he's like, it's never been done before. Uh, so I give a nice little spiel there, and I, I just really, I kiss up to the mayor. You know, I say, everyone loves you in this town, stuff like that. And he's like, well, you can keep on talking, uh, which was, you know, it's, that's the thing with politicians. And uh, and anybody in public life, you just kind of wax him a little bit. You know, you just kind of, you're going to act like a prostitute. It's tough to do. I mean, there was just that story about Representative Grimm, a Republican fella here in New York, who uh, 
promise to break a reporter in half. Like a boy. <laughs> like a boy. I'm going to break you in half like a boy, which going back to Nightmare on Elm Street 2, uh, that's very similar to something that the coach would say there as he was whipping mm. the boy in the shower. Um, <laughs> I'll rip you in half like a boy. Well, uh, right, I have no idea where you even came up with such an idea. Yeah. Uh, you've been ripping a lot of boys in half lately, Mr. Grimm? Well, really, the sentence structure implies that a boy rips people in half, and oh, he will rip yeah. you in half in the manner of a boy. <laughs> Although it would take a while. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, perhaps. Maybe I'm being a grammar Nazi here, but you it's, are. But I it's, like it. It's a poorly stru- uh, structured sentence. He was he was angry, very angry. Yeah, he was just thrown out any words that came to his mind, and that was his parting words. That was his last word. It's pretty great last words. It's pretty. Good. You imagine he got hit by a bus right afterwards. What were his last <laughs> words? Oh yeah, he was gonna rip you apart like a boy. <laughs> All right, then. Choose your words carefully, everybody, and make sure you wear fresh underwear every day. Every day. Although, regardless, I guess when you die, you crap yourself anyway. Yeah. I mean, my underwear... Wear dirty underwear every day, then. My underwear's falling apart. Even if it was filled with crap, that'd be pretty embarrassing. I got pretty gnarly underwear. They're all going to laugh at you. I hope so. You know, all the EMTs. But what a great way to go out. One last giggle. Exactly. If my head is, you know, uh, brains all over the concrete somewhere and... You know, it's like no one wants to come and clean that up. It's a terrible job to be an EMT or especially on the cleanup crew. Yep. You know, give our, them a little laugh. My friend Lupe, who works here at the Creek in the Cave, was on a cleanup crew. Lupe, of course, he was also on a cleanup, uh, cleanup crew uh, for crime scenes mm-hmm. in Baltimore, so he didn't have anything to do. <laughs> he didn't see anything. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't every three hours somebody was just bludgeoned to death by some sort of bizarre crab. Oh, my God, a crab killing in Baltimore. How many times have we seen that <sighs> smashing against somebody's head? So I'm standing in front of everybody at the uh, town council meeting. I make my pitch. I make my proposal. Sure enough, right there, the vote happened, and the law got overturned. Great. Which was amazing. So you can now cross-dress in Haddon, New Jersey. The only one downfall was a uh, lawyer uh, piped up. It was like, mm, well, technically, we have to wait two months. Uh, so in two months, it'll become officially law. Okay. But that was very good. I mean, not a lot of people get to change laws. Not at all. And I did it. And it was good for the pilot. You're the only person I know. That's right, Marcus. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Marcus. That is correct. (laughs) As far as you know, I could be lying. Well, no, you're not, though, because you're a very honest person. Thank you. And I can tell when you're lying because your fucking tail wags. He's a dog. <laughs> Marcus is a dog. <laughs> no what one, is, no one knows mean? that is that I'm actually a Labrador. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Well, we better end it there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So check out Active Killing. Check out that uh, Black Panther's mixtape. That's also a great doc. And uh, I hope this, uh, you know, wish me luck here on this pilot in the sizzle. And uh, and uh, it's Ben Kissel at Ben Kissel on Twitter and mm-hmm. at Marcus Parks on Twitter. And um, let's see, tomorrow night, this will be out during the day tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Tomorrow night at 8 p.m., I'm doing a Comedy Central showcase right here at the Creek. Ah, Thursday, so Thursday night uh, at, what, 8 p.m.? 8 p.m., yeah. 1093 Jackson Avenue, Creek in the Cave, free show. It's going to be great. So, uh, all right, everybody, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.